The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good morning. So last week, um, we talked a little bit about refuge as Sangha, and not only that, um, we can take refuge in Sangha, the support that we gain from each other in practicing together. That's a big part. That's a big part of how we can do this. I think one of the comments last week is talking about some of the quotes from the Buddha of, um, I only point the way, you have to do the work. You know, that this is, that a lot of what we do here is internal work to look at our own hearts and minds and see what's here. But we need the support of community. We need the support of others practicing in this way, partly because the the teachings and what we're looking at and how we're looking at our hearts and minds begins to reveal um, that our usual habitual patterns, our usual ways of navigating the world, um, you know, they're they're kind of like in the in the flow of the conditions of the world. So much of our own conditioning, our own conditioning is given to us in some ways from our cultures, from our families, from, from uh, the conditions of our lives, from external conditions of weather, of like, so just like the conditions of our lives are vast. And that, so there's all of that, the external conditions. And then, and then there's how we respond to it. There's some, um, if we're angry or confused or connected and caring, compassionate, there's, there's whole different ways to respond. And that responding does shape our experience. So our experience is shaped both internally and externally. And so we need actually to see, to begin to look at the, the ways in which our habits, our patterns are shaping us and the, the ways in which the usual thoughts about how to be happy, the kind of societal thoughts about how we should be happy, when we look, begin to look at our minds and see that those ways, those ways of engaging out of greed and aversion, get what I want, get rid of what I don't want, that that is suffering internally. You know, we see where we're, we're, you know, that, that the, the, the experience that we thought was happiness, the experiences that we thought were going to lead us to happiness don't lead us in the direction of a deeper, more lasting, more true happiness in a way. And so the, the Buddha has talked about this path as swimming against the stream. 
that, that what we're seeing, how we're engaging, what we, what we see, what we are asked to let go of, what our, what the wisdom that develops as we, as I talked about in the guided meditation, the seeing of the patterns and habits of our hearts and minds, as we see that, we feel the suffering of it. And the wisdom that grows there begins to like weaken that and, and soften our hearts and, and allow there to be some, some letting go some understanding that supports a letting go. But this takes, this takes uh, courage to see this. And it is very counterintuitive, the way in which we uh, the way in which wisdom asks us to engage. It's counterintuitive to what we've been taught, what our conditioning has taught us. It's, 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 it's counterintuitive. And so we need support. We need the community support to help us to kind of have that commitment to engage, to stay with this, with this witnessing of the suffering in our own hearts and in the world. And so the, this is the piece that's so in my heart this morning. The, in the week that we've been through as a country. And how, how can our practice meet this? What does that mean? I don't. Feel like I know the answers, but I do bring the Dharma with me while I reflect on this. And I, I just wanted to share some of those reflections. That's all I can do really is share some reflections. Um, And I feel like this connection to community and this connection to practicing together, it feels relevant, it feels connected to that. I think about the, you know, the practice, the, what, what, does the, what does the practice have to say in this time? Because it's such a, often taught very much as an internal thing. You know, we look at our own hearts and minds. And how does that, I mean, we sometimes might have the sense of how does that like meet the vastness of the suffering and the, the what's unfolding in front of us this week, the, the horrible loss of George Floyd's life at the, hands of police officers, the uh, protests leading to violence and riots and looting, the curfews that are being imposed. It feels so vast. It's it's vast. It's, It's painful. My heart breaks with this 
country. And, and this is all, as we all know, this is happening in the condition, also the other condition of our having been sheltering in place for two months now of, of being isolated from each other. I can't help but think that's a piece of what's unfolding. The conditions, you know, I talked about conditions earlier. What are the conditions? What are the conditions of this situation, these situations? Very much the way the Buddha taught, he taught about the inner work that we do. But it wasn't separate from connection and relationship three aspects of the Eightfold Path. There's eight steps on our path, eight, eight uh, tools that support us in our practice. Wise understanding, wise view, that's one. Wise intention. And intention is where our um, understanding leads to action. And action so this path is not one of non-action. Intention and action are part of what we do in, this, in, in our lives. And the, the teachings of the Buddha encourage us to act from wisdom rather than to act from greed, aversion, or delusion. And then the, the, the middle aspect of the Eightfold Path, the, the, it's, it's, it's a relational piece. It's talking about how we are in connection and community. Wise speech, wise action, wise livelihood, caring, non-harming in relationship to each other. This is a piece that the Buddha pointed to. So he didn't just speak about transforming our minds. He talked about transforming our relationships as well through non-harming, through wise view, through wise intention, engaging with care and concern. And so the, the, I think in some ways, maybe it's more in the Western Buddhist tradition that we talk so much about the meditation and, and kind of think it's separate from our community, separate from our engagement with each other. But the, the path is not, it's not separate. We don't just transform internally. When we, as I, I, I think we talked about last week, you know, the work that we do internally does affect others. I use this analogy of walking the path, the path of practice. It's, it's, the analogy is right there in the Noble Eightfold Path. He uses that word. And, and um, you know, we walk that path for our own transformation. But it's, we can't, it doesn't just affect us because the way a path works is that it clears the way. As we're following a path, we are also, you know, just thinking about how paths work in the forest. When we follow somebody's path, we are kind of keeping it open. Because the more people that walk on a path, the more visible the path is. And so our walking on this path does have an effect in the world. We affect each other. This is, this is a, a part of the teaching of conditioning, I think. Um, that, uh, and the teaching in the Eightfold Path uh, that, that we do affect each other. 
we, we affect each other when we're acting out of anger and hatred and confusion and greed. And we affect each other when we're acting out of compassion and wisdom and love and kindness and generosity and patience. And those, those motivations or those intentions for action do not necessarily lead to pass- passivity or non-action. They can lead to, and, and different, different, I think different people will have different responses to the time that we're in. Some, some may um, write books, some may, um, I, I saw a beautiful uh, reflection by Trevor Noah the other day, you know, just his, his reflection on this time. Um, so some may speak that way, some may go out and, and join protests. I don't think there's one right way. We're all individual. We have our own, our own, uh, honoring our own uh, kind of being in terms of our response. And the, the wisdom, the compassion, the love can, can motivate us to act. The piece that I kind of wanted to just really like support us in reflecting on and, and I'll, I'll only touch on it there's so many different there's so many different threads this i've been thinking about this this week so many different dharma threads that speak to this what's happening i do think that the dharma has some powerful tools to help us to understand what's going on very powerful tools to help us understand what's going on The one that I'd like to reflect on right now is the first noble truth. There is suffering. And the action that the Buddha encouraged us to engage in, in connection to that suffering, is that it should be understood. We need to understand what's happening. And that this understanding is that same understanding of the, of the first factor of the eightfold path right understanding leads to right intention or wise intention which leads to wise action so the the um the understanding is crucial for um, for wisdom to lead our responses And so understanding, there's lots of, again, there's lots of different aspects to understand in what's happening, but the one I'll, I'll speak to is, again, conditioning. What, what, are the, what is the condition? What's happening? What are the conditions? This moment the conditions of this moment just as within our own experience we can see that what's arising in this moment whatever's happening internally in this moment is not just about my response right to this moment but is connected to the shaping of my life of my history so my response in this moment is is not simply about this moment it's also vastly woven to the conditions 
that I've grown up in to the conditions that um, I see other people like me experience. So for instance, for me as a white older woman, there is some sense of vulnerability I have in, uh, in certain situations. Not because I have experienced that vulnerability personally, not, not as because I've seen that happen to me, but because I've heard of what happens to other women. And so that is a part of my conditioning. It's a part of my conditioning to, to the hearing of that and the, the, the recognition this happens. And it's, it's not personal that it happens to people, but it's the conditions of the, of, of the society of what's unfolding. So, it's, it's, so there's this um, reflection on the conditions. That are not it's not just about this moment so it's it's useful i think for us in our in our own practice and this is this is a, a piece i want to encourage us to think about because we 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 may know how to apply our our curiosity about our experience to our own personal experience and see oh yeah this this whatever's arising right now this fear or this confusion it's not just about this it's about what i've heard other people have gone through and what what i've experienced in my life and the teasing that i had on the playground and the, all of these threads coming together everything coming together and so we see it's it's kind of a vast web of conditioning coming together for this and so um i think we can apply that curiosity about conditions to the, the conditions of, of our world right now. And for those of us who, um, who are in the privileged or dominant group, who have more privilege, uh, The conditions. I mean, it may. You know, I have heard people. Heard you know, people. People comment on. You know, what's the point of? And Trevor Noah mentioned this. Trevor Noah spoke about this in his reflection. He said, "People ask, well, what's the point of looting?" And he said, "Maybe we should think about. Well, from their perspective, what's the point of not looting? You know, it's like the the whole." The whole, and, and so, you know, I, that the question is framed in a slightly funny way, I think, that, that, that the way he put it. But, but I think what Trevor Noah was pointing to is that we, we need to, in this reflection on conditioning, see if we can um, step outside of our own conditioning and think of what has somebody else's conditioned experience been? What has, the, what has their experience been? And to see as a, as a particularly black man in this culture, over and over again, the loss of life, the brutality, the systemic brutality that happens 
that affects. your experience. And so what, what, what are those conditions? And I think for those of us in, the, in the, the, the dominant culture, those of us who are particularly white, there's a lot of those conditions that we just don't have in our, in our minds. We don't, we don't understand that history. And so I think it is useful for us to actually educate ourselves about that, to, to really understand the history of slavery, the history of the Jim Crow laws, of mass incarceration, of the history of, of lynchings and brutality. It is, so this, this is the condition of, of in particular, the American, the, the United States, this history. It is a very painful history. And in some ways, I feel like this time is, is really, you know, we, we can't ignore this. We can't ignore this history. We need, to, we need to look at this conditioning. And so this is a way, I mean, in our own personal practice, in our own lives, we often preference, you know, what's happening right now but in that what's happening right now, we, we also begin to see the threads back to our conditions and the ways that we're, we're like, you know, clinging around it or pushing things away or reacting based on conditioning from the past. And, and so we see the connection. We, we begin to see as we meet, meet what's happening in this moment, we, start, we see the connection to what's, what's been in the past. And in this moment right now, the, the arising of this uh, suffering and the, the, the riots and the, the, the protests and the looting and the, the chaos. You know, we can, we can be curious about, well, what is my experience to this right now? But I think it's also useful to, for us to look at, well, where has it come from? What has happened? How, so that we can begin to uh, open our hearts and realize that had we been born in different conditions, we would have a very different reality. I looked at uh, an article this morning um, that kind of brought in the the video. I'm. I'm, I'm I think most of you have probably also seen the video of the, um, the, the inter- encounter in Central Park, I think, uh, between Amy Cooper and Chris Cooper. Um, and that, that encounter, this person said, you know, it's like this person was, was talking about the whole, the big picture, the, the, the big violence that's occurring. But, but he, he pointed back to this, this um, incident as being actually this is this may be where it begins you know this that mindset 
You know, actually that encounter, we, we all know how easily that encounter could have ended in Chris Cooper's death. We've seen it. And so the, you know, the, the witnessing of that, um, you know, how quickly the fear exploded in Amy Cooper. Not because of what he was doing. I mean, it, 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 seemed, it seemed to me from the, the, watching the video, he, she was approaching him. He was saying, don't come close to me. She was approaching him. And he's saying, don't, don't touch me. Don't come close to me. And she was approaching him, trying to get him to stop videoing. And then she backed off and said, I'm going to call the police. I'm going to tell them that an African-American man is threatening my life. That, that, that kind of go-to place. She was, she was afraid. And because of the color of his skin, that is where she went. And she knew she could use that. And she knew she could use that kind of power that a white person has. Trevor Noah mentioned this too. He said, you know, it, it, it displayed so many things. It, it displayed her understanding, the deep understanding that's, that's not taught to us in language, but is taught to us in, in the conditions of our lives. The deep understanding of the difference between Amy Cooper's relationship to the police, her her understanding what it means to call the police versus and and to express that an African American man is threatening her. What does that mean? She understood exactly what that meant. And so this and and Amy Cooper, by all um, kind of uh, reports that I read, is 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 a good person. Is is uh, you know. A person who, who uh, doesn't espouse racist views in any way, doesn't say them, but when brought to a place of fear, that's where she went. So this is this place. This is also the place the police officers act from. And this is the place, and, and then there's a real discrepancy in terms of power. And so I think we can be curious too in our own experience of what are the you know, hidden, the hidden things in our in our own uh, hearts. You know, where do we go when we're in a place of vulnerability and fear? And so many of us are in that place right now. You know, this, the, 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 the situation of COVID right now is putting us all in such a place of vulnerability and fear. And we tend to revert to our least skillful conditioning. And some of that conditioning is not, is not obvious to us. And so that's another piece that 
you know, I, I really was encouraging us to kind of look at, reflect on the conditions of the world, conditions of, you know, kind of the historical conditions so that we can have some understanding of how these, these situations are shaped. That, and I think we also need to look internally because the shaping, the, the response of the police officers, the response of Amy Cooper, and I just got a comment from somebody that said she wasn't afraid she was angry, and that's true, she was angry. I, I saw that too. Thank you for pointing that out. But that, that kind of go-to place of anger also takes us to our least skillful responses. And so we, we, I think we need to do two kinds of investigations on conditioning, especially those of us who are, who are white and in the dominant culture. I think we all need to look at our conditioning around um, our our biases, our hidden biases, our hidden preferences to assuming that people that look like us are safe or safer. Our hidden assumptions about what people who don't look like us are to, to, to see, to see that. This is available for us to see when we witness how we respond, not only to these things on the news, but when we, when we just come upon somebody that looks different from us, what happens? What's our immediate response? And not to repress it, but again, the, 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 the courage that we have to have some courage to uh, watch, see what is here. And begin to recognize the skillful and the unskillful in our responses. <laughs>